This is Chris Brooks. Thank you for listening to this edition of Equip. Be sure and subscribe for free so that you don't miss an episode. For more information, visit our website, equipradio.org. Please enjoy the following pre-recorded Encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Well, hey there, friends. Welcome to another exciting edition of Equipped with Chris Brooks. I'm so thrilled that you've joined us today. Why don't you strap on your seatbelt? We're going to navigate through the contours of culture, as always, with the lens of the biblical worldview on. But before we do that, let me remind you, this is the day that the Lord has made. He has given it as a gift so that you and I might rejoice and be glad in it. So let's do just that. Let's follow the words of the Apostle Paul. Let's rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Well, my friends, it is the most wonderful time of the year. I hope your heart and your soul are both doing well and rejoicing in Jesus. You know, during this Christmas season, we want to keep Christ as a centerpiece of our focus, the treasure of our heart as we celebrate what God has done for fallen humanity, sending his son, our savior, in flesh to die for our sins after living the perfect life, showing his power and resurrecting from the grave and uh, providing grace, the grace that allows all men to turn to him for salvation through repentance and faith in him. And today I want to encourage your heart that Christ loves you that much, that God loves you that much, and that he is that gracious to you. But so much about the Christmas story is so delightfully unexpected. And so no matter how many times you've gone through Christmas, I want you to be able to see it through fresh eyes. You know, there's something new and nuanced that I believe every Christmas brings to us. And when we study scripture, uh, no matter how many times we read Luke's account, uh, how many times we read the account in Matthew's gospel, no matter how many times we ponder what the word says about the birth of our Lord, there is something fresh for our heart to consider as again, we worship him. And so today I uh, wanted to introduce to you a resource that has really captured my heart in this season. It's called The Christmas We Didn't Expect. It's written by David Mathis. David serves as a senior teacher and executive editor at Desiring God. He is a pastor at Cities Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. He also resides in Minneapolis with his wife and awesome children. David, how are you today? I'm doing well, Chris. Thanks for the uh, the honor and joy of being here. Talk with you. Hey, thanks for writing this wonderful book. L- let's start with this. I, I love how you have really made the case for what Christmas should be about in the heart of the believer, what Advent season should be about. But New Testament believers, as far as I understand it, are never commanded by God to observe certain feast days. Um, Obviously, we need to observe the Lord's day, but we're never commanded like the Old Testament, like our Old Testament predecessors to have to observe certain feast days. So why should we observe Advent? Well, Advent is an opportunity, not an obligation, (laughs) is is how I like to put it. Uh, It is true. I mean, the Apostle Paul warns in Colossians chapter 2 about pressure to celebrate certain days and feasts and seasons and years. That's that's coming out of the Old Testament milieu. Uh, A lot of times in the the first century, so many Christians had grown up in under the terms of the Old Covenant and, and in the Jewish calendar. 
And so there was this this pressure, these deeply ingrained habits in them to want to to celebrate these things as as obligatory. And so Colossians 2, Romans 14, let each person uh, esteem a day uh, as they would be convinced in their own mind. Romans 14, 5, the one who observes it does so in honor of the Lord. The one who abstains does so in honor honor of the Lord. So if somebody wanted to choose not to celebrate Christmas, uh, that's no sin. There, there's no breach of a biblical commandment. But but Christmas, Easter, Advent, Lent, celebrating Pentecost and Ascension Day, as some traditions do, these are opportunities and not obligations. And I think that helps us come in to, to really to make the most of Advent, to understand you know, this is not something I am uh, under obligation to, to celebrate. Uh, this is a choice I'm making. And, and, and these are things we do in community. So they're not simply individual choices either. We, we do these as churches. We do these as, as families. And so there's an opportunity here to tend to our hearts and to uh, not wait till January 1 to make your New Year's resolution. But uh, let's, let's draw near now. Let's use Advent as the opportunity right now to do work on the heart and to uh, reset our focus on Jesus, who is at the heart of the season, and not be distracted and and put off our guard by the way the, the world celebrates and talks about Christmas. I love this focus on uh, doing work on our hearts. This is exactly why I want to encourage you to get a copy of uh, David Mathis's wonderful new devotional, uh, 24 devotional studies or readings for you. It's called The Christmas We Didn't Expect. We're going to give away five five giveaways just to say thank you to our friends who connect with us on social media. So if you go to our Facebook or Twitter page, uh, in particular, if you're new to those pages, like us and follow us there. Uh, Just uh, say, hey, I would love to get a copy of this wonderful devotional so that I can prepare my heart during the Advent season. Uh, We'll pick five names. We'll let you know uh, really quickly if that's you, and uh, we'll send you out a copy of this wonderful devotional. Hey, uh, let's define the term. I have, you have used the term already, Advent, several times uh, on this broadcast, and we haven't defined it. What is Advent? Yes, yes. Okay, so Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming or appearing. It's referring to the coming of Christ, and in particular, the Advent season, the way, that cele- the way that Christians have celebrated it for centuries, is it is the preparation season. It is the season of waiting on the high feast of Christmas. And uh, let me tell you, you can go pretty deep down the Advent trail if you want to. So the, the further deep, the, the further you go into Advent, the more countercultural it is. Because in our society, we typically today, you know, Thanksgiving comes, it goes. I mean, sometimes stores are decorating for Christmas in October, and especially once you turn the corner on Thanksgiving, at least in the United States, it's, it's all Christmas. You know, joy to the world and Santa and Frosty and Rudolph, it, it's just, it's all packed in there for those, those three and a half weeks running up to Christmas. That is, that's not what Advent is in the Christian tradition. Advent is an extended fast before an extended feast. So typically Christians would celebrate the high feast of Christmas from December 25th until January 6th, from Christmas Day until January 6th, called the Epiphany, when they'd often celebrate the, the, the visit of the Magi. So there's the, the 12 days of Christmas. You know, we're, we're all familiar with that song on the 12th day of Christmas. And so those 12 days of Christmas were anticipated 
by this season of Advent, typically about three and a half weeks. It's the four Sundays before Christmas, and so it's about three full weeks with a little extra and change. And the Advent season was a time of, of waiting, a time of preparation, a time of austerity, a time of fasting before the great feast, a time of the minor chords, waiting on the major chords of Christmas. And so a well-known song like, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, that's the sound of Advent as we prepare our hearts, as we uh, make this discipline of entering into what it must have been like for God's people for centuries to wait for the promised Messiah. I mean, just think, a thousand years before Jesus came, King David was promised this great descendant who would be his Lord and sit on his throne forever. And then 700 years before Jesus came, Isaiah was prophesying about a child being born and the son being given, government being upon his shoulders, and his name being Wonder, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 400 years, four centuries before he came, Malachi is prophesying. So God moved with unbelievable patience over centuries. And Advent is an opportunity to enter in, is for us to wait for three and a half weeks as opposed to centuries. Uh, it, it is such a good discipline for us in a society, frankly, that has very little patience and does very little waiting, uh, for us to enter in and prepare our hearts uh, by waiting on Christmas expectantly, and in particular by putting Christ in the anticipation of him and his coming at the center of our of our waiting in that season. I love it. It's such a beautiful way of describing the patient love of God. What are you, uh, and this is a deeply personal question, David, what are you and the Mathis family hoping Advent season looks like for you? Like, how do you prepare your heart? Yes, yeah, thank you. Good question. The, uh, I got four little kids. So we have twin boys that are 10 and a half, a daughter who is just turning six before Advent. The book is dedicated to her. It says on the inside cover, To Gloria dedicated to Gloria. She'll, she'll turn six at the end of November. And then Mercy, she's our baby in the family. She's three and a half now. And so the way that, the way we do Advent, did this last year, plan to do it again this year, is uh, take a verse a day. So I like to pair a verse with chocolate. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> like so every good morning, day. <laughs> that's right. I, I take these verses out ahead of time. Actually, what I'm going to do in, in this Advent devotional book uh, each, chap- each chapter, each daily reading is led by a very short little passage, a verse or two. And so what I plan to do is I'm just going to read them the verse and tell them in, in daddy talk you know, to my four kids what the verse means and why it's, why it's precious and help um, bring the reality that at the center of the celebration is the coming of Christ. It's Christ himself, God himself in human flesh. And so we're going to rehearse these great Christological texts on the person of Christ, about the Word becoming flesh, and in Him the fullness of deity, being pleased to dwell. And uh, I'll just briefly read that. I'll just briefly read the text, and then I'll give them my little 30 to 60 dad explanation of what that means and why it's so precious that we celebrate the coming of Christ. And then each of us unwraps our little chocolate. I think we use little dove chocolates. My wife likes dove chocolate. There you so we go. That. <laughs> and we all unwrap it and hold it up. And I say, Christ has come. And then all the kids say, Christ will come again. <laughs> and we mm. eat the chocolate and we pray. So that's, that's just our little thing with my, with my little kids. And uh, it, it is amazing. I mean, when we talk about devotional habits, um, 
that taking a little step can make a big difference. One small yes. thing, I mean, in, instead of going a whole day as a family without the Bible, to even just to start with a verse or two and a quick dad explanation of the verse, yes, that, that's a very significant step in the right direction. So I hope as the kids get yes. older, we'll, we'll make a bigger deal of Advent. Maybe we'll, we'll spend more time on it on a daily basis. But with small kids, that's, that's how yes. we're doing it. Well, it's a beautiful way to lead your family. Christ has come, my friends. Christ will Amen. come again, and we praise God for that truth. We're going to take a short break, but as we go into these uh, breaks, we want to make sure that we are blessing you with some of the uh, beautiful Christmas music uh, that has been designed for uh, encouraging our hearts towards greater worship of Christ. I want you to listen to O Little Town of Bethlehem, and as you do listen to O Little Town of Bethlehem, I want you to go to our website. It's equipradio.org. That's equippedradio.org. There you'll find more information about David's wonderful book, The Christmas We Didn't Expect. What's so unexpected about Christmas? Well, I'm glad you asked. We're going to take up that question with David Mathis on the other side of this break. And I believe it's going to bless your heart. So don't go anywhere. Much more to come. Next up on Equip with Chris Brooks. This daily program is fully devoted to coming alongside listeners like you to give you the tools needed for a successful walk with God. As one of our loyal listeners, would you be willing to become an equipper? Your monthly contribution will be applied to equipping others all across the country. Plus, as an equipper, I'll send you regular emails that contain brief pastoral messages prepared just for you. To become an equipper now, call 888-644-4144 or go online to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Hey, I want you to save the day for a very exciting event that's coming up in about a month. It is January 12th. That's the next Equipper Zoom webinar. Save the day. You don't want to miss the next Equipper Zoom webinar. Now, we do these quarterly as a way of maintaining intimate connection with our monthly partners. And if you're an Equipper, this one is going to be a must-attend webinar. We're going to talk about Jesus, anxiety, and depression. Why does God allow mental health issues and how do I live out my faith if this is a part of my reality? Uh, One of the growing topics of our day is mental health. So many are experiencing life with anxiety and depression. How do we live out the Christian faith in light of these realities. I'm going to talk about Jesus, anxiety, and depression on our next Zoom webinar. All you have to do is be a monthly partner, save the date, and uh, your Equipper Encouragement email will send you registration details. And if you're not a monthly partner, don't fret. It is easy to become one. All you have to do is dial the number 888-644-4144. I'll give it again, 888-644-4144. 44, or if it's easier, go to our website, learn more at equippedradio.org. Today, 
my guest is David Mathis. We're talking about his newest resource, The Christmas We Didn't Expect, 24 Devotional Readings. And the, the book is really designed to renew your worship of our humble, generous, and loving Savior in the days leading up to Christmas. David, it seems to me uh, that uh, there is so much that's unexpected about the coming of our Lord. Can you talk a little bit about the title, the Christmas we didn't expect, and what is so unexpected about Christmas? Yeah, thanks, Chris. The, uh, when the Good Book Company, who's publishing this book, um, approached me a couple years ago to ask if I'd put together some Christmas meditations, they had seen, I guess, that uh, I enjoy writing Advent meditations. I, I take Advent every year as my reminder to rehearse Christology, the doctrine of the person of Christ, that, that Jesus is fully God and fully man in one spectacular person. I love Christology, and so Advent's my annual reminder to rehearse it. And so I've, over the years, I've written meditations on it. And when they approached me with the idea about an Advent book, I thought, well, let me go back and see what meditations I've done over the years, and see, is, is there any kind of unifying theme? And the word that I noticed as I read back over just what I had thought on over the years of Advent, I noticed that word unexpected over and over again. I used this word unexpected. So, hmm, maybe maybe that's my angle. You know, with my limited vision, my limited experiences, uh, something about the unexpected nature of Christmas has really captured me over the years. And, you know, the, the, the tricky thing, uh, Chris, is that, you know, because Christmas comes every year, we tend to think, oh, so normal. I mean, magi, they, they come every year. You know, the shepherds always come, you know. But, but actually, these are some very unusual things. And just as we talked about earlier, that a thousand years before Christ came, David is expecting him. And in 700 years, Isaiah, 400 years, Malachi, that the kind of patience with which God moved through history in bringing about his son is, is unexpected. And then how unexpected that the angel appears to an unwed mother. That was not expected. Joseph did not expect that, for sure. And that took some serious soul-searching and an angel appearing in a dream to help him out. And then an unexpected census of the known world so that they come from this backwater that nobody's heard of outside uh, the Levant in the first century called Nazareth. They come from Nazareth to Bethlehem, the city of David, for the census. And then as, the, as David's great descendant comes— is anybody expecting that there's not enough room so that the child doesn't have the best of accommodations and that yeah. they put the child in a manger? I mean, yeah. It, yeah. the story is so extraordinary. And that angels appear to the blue-collar workers of the day. That you would expect, you know, when the Christ comes, it's written about in the Scriptures, then the, you know, the local scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders and the dignitaries will come. And you know what? They're nowhere to be found. And shepherds come. Yes. And then however long later, it seems like a few years later, magi. And you, know, you know what word we get from magi, right? Magic. Because yes. magi, it, 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 we call them we three kings. That's, that's, that's not quite what's going on here. Magi are pagan astrologers. These are like the guys that are, uh, that are turning staffs into snakes in Egypt, or the kind of guys that Daniel had to hang out with in Babylon. I mean, the Magi are the, the sorcerers, the wizards of the day. It's like Gandalf and Dumbledore coming with their gifts <laughs> for the Christ child. And, uh, and meanwhile, the, the religious answer guys in Jerusalem who know the answer, where the Christ will be born yes, when the Magi yes. come, they give the answer, 
and they don't even bother to make the relatively short five-mile journey down to Bethlehem to bow the knee to the Christ child. So this is, it's unexpected from every angle. And I, I think we can become, uh, we can we can be kind of become uh, used to that. And yes. we begin to expect how Christmas unfolds instead of being shocked by it. And I mean, one more detail, Chris, that is that's so unexpected. Uh, in the birth narratives in Luke, of course, the family goes to the temple and they meet Simeon. And Simeon, you know, now I can die in peace. I have seen the Christ child. And, uh, and he says to Mary, a sword will pierce your side as well. Can you imagine when Mary receives that prophecy thinking, a sword's going to pierce my side? What do, you, what do you mean that a sword will pierce me as well? And then she realizes he just said, as well. And she thinks, a sword's going to pierce him? My, my, my child? You know, this is, this is the yeah, Son of God. This yeah. is the, great, the, the descendant of great King David. What do you mean that he will be pierced? Yes, and so at that very first Christmas, there is so many unexpected details, and 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 a quick link from that last one to those who come into this Christmas with pain that you may be carrying like never before, and uh, and maybe you're thinking, can we even do Christmas if it's not holly jolly, most wonderful time of the year, all is merry and bright, and I think that's a gift because the first Christmas was not all merry and bright; it wasn't holly jolly. It wasn't the wow. most wonderful time of the year. I mean, this is a this is an unwed mother who's being yes. who's becoming an yes. outcast in her small hometown where the word must have got around in a couple hours. Yeah. And one detail after another is unexpected and it's inconvenient and it's painful for Mary and Joseph. And yet this is just where God meets them. The reason that God himself comes in the person of his son is not because all is merry and bright on earth. He comes because we are in such deep trouble and pain and sin that we cannot save ourselves. And so Christmas meets us. For some of us, some of us in our lives that have been relatively easy, Christmas meets us like never before. And that's the opportunity I think that we have have before us here in these coming weeks. All right. You've captured my attention. You've uh, sparked my (laughs) intrigue. An unexpected birth, an unexpected child, the unexpected news. Definitely unexpected guest, an unexpected town, unexpected joy, all of it leading up to a very unexpected day. And and I love the connection that you have made to our current reality. Folks, the gospel never calls us to deny the bad news of life. We're never called to deny the fall of humanity or what it means to live in a very broken and fallen world. But my friends, the good news is that Christ comes. He steps into our world to offer us the grace that our hearts so desperately need. And he reminds us that he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. We're going to take this all up on the other side of this break. I pray that you'll be blessed by this rendition of Mary Did You Know. You stick and stay. There's much more to come. Next up on Equip with Chris Burns. Did you know that your baby boy 
has come to make you new This child that you delivered will soon deliver you You're listening to a pre-recorded Encore presentation of Equipped with Chris Brooks. Welcome back, my friends, to Equipped with Chris Brooks. The question of the day, how are you preparing your heart and the hearts of those that you love for the celebration that we should all join in, I at least encourage that, of the birth of our Lord as we reflect on the birth of our Lord? Well, let me recommend uh, an Advent devotional. Maybe you've never gone through that. Maybe this is a new tradition that you can add to your to your family. And I would recommend David Mathis's wonderful devotional, The Christmas We Didn't Expect, as one of those great new traditions for you. It's a collection of 24 devotional readings, and I would encourage you to uh, consider finding out more going to our website at equipradio.org. I know during the season we are giving away a lot of goodies, and this is just one of them. One of the ways we're going to give away five copies of David's book is through social media. We would love to connect with you there. Why? Because it's through social media that we can keep the conversation going. I like to put it this way. Social media is a dangerous place. Don't get on it if you're not already there. But if you are there, let's use our social media for the good. You guys know that that's a big 
conviction of my heart. And one of the ways we use social media for the good is making much of Christ, making much of our Lord and what he has done for us. Uh, through his death, burial, and resurrection. And so please join us on Equipped Radio's Facebook or Twitter page. We'll pick five names, and we will send you this beautiful uh, Advent devotional. Also, if you have not already marked your calendars and you're a monthly partner, January 12th is our next Zoom webinar. Please mark your calendars for that day. Just save the date. That's the most important thing. You're not going to want to miss it. There's so many special things that are going to happen on that day. And uh, man, these are, in my opinion, one of the great reasons to be a partner with Equip. We get a chance to connect with one another through uh, technology, and it's an awesome thing where I get a chance to share my heart and hear yours as well. So don't uh, miss that date if you're a monthly partner, January 12th. Uh, David, let's go back a little bit to maybe some of the uh, the magnetism, if I could use that word, of Christmas. It seems interesting to me that Christmas draws even the hearts of uh, those who are secular unbelievers why do you think that is? I mean, that's so intriguing and awesome to me. No, it, it, it is strange that in a society like ours that is post-Christian in increasing degrees, though that can be very easily exaggerated, uh, that December is such a distinctive month in our calendar. I mean, it, it, there, is, there is something about the quote-unquote magic of Christmas it goes it goes pretty deep into the heart. I mean, it, as much as people want to to say they're secular through and through, and that all there is is what you can see, uh, and they believe in science. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> the uh, the fact that we make December such a distinctive month in our society shows that not as many people really believe in science as they say as a as an ultimate belief. And for us as Christians, the fact that December is so unusual. I mean, it has. This month, out of all the months of our year, is the most distinctive in our culture. It has its own decorations and its own music. And if there are businesses that take one day off in the year, you know what one day that is. It's December 25th. So it it, it is very distinctive in our culture, which, on the one hand, can be a subtle danger. Because if we just move to the tune of the world and the clock of the world and the expectations of the world and the, the substance and content of the world then we're going to be just as bad off for December uh, as, as, as we could be. But if in the, in the midst of that distinctiveness of the month, if we as Christians rehearse the very heart of our faith, I mean, we are called Christians because we worship Jesus. We believe that God himself in the second person of the Trinity came as fully human. I mean, all the way down to egg and ovum and fetus and infant and adolescent. God himself came among us, fully one of us. He dwelt among us, fully God, fully man, and one spectacular person. That changes everything. And so if we can take the opportunity that we're given culturally to make December distinctive, but we make sure as Christians in our families, in our churches, that we put Christian content at the center then Christmas, the Advent season, the month of December, becomes a great opportunity for us as Christians to rehearse some of the most central realities in the universe for ourselves, for our families, for our churches, and you know what? Even for our neighbors. I mean, it is interesting how many of our professing, unbelieving neighbors 
still do things so differently in Advent. It, and and and, de- and December is an opportunity for Christians to to speak, to say something. And this time of year is different, and it's because of Jesus that it's different in our in our culture. And there's there's still an opportunity yes. there for us to to speak and say something. We should have something to say, and it should point them to Christ. But yet, let's let's deal with this whole thought of the secularization of our culture. I want to lean into this just a little bit more. The 18th century uh, Scottish Enlightenment philosopher David Hume uh, wrote his uh, his magnum opus, if you will, an inquiry concerning human understanding. And section 10 of that is of miracles, where he makes a pretty mm-hmm. compelling case in some people's minds to not believe miracles. So there's no way of denying that everything surrounding the birth of Christ uh, it just drips with the uh, fingerprints of God. It is all supernatural. So why believe it? Why believe in miracles, David? Well, I mean, do we believe in God or not? I mean, that, that, it comes down to it. Is uh, is is what is your best explanation for the world that exists and its beauty and its order and its complexity and uh, all that is involved in being human? Um, many cannot really begin to fathom the complexity and order and beauty of our world apart from that. And so, you know, some will be agnostic and say th- they can't believe. But uh, but in particular for us as Christians, th- there's not, it, it is amazing that in the life of Christ, that it is set apart by the miraculous at the beginning and at the end in very distinct ways. Not to mention the, you know, the various miracles that Jesus himself performs, as, that, his healings. On guard at the door of Christmas is this thing that Christians have long called the virgin birth. We could call it the the virgin conception. And from the very get-go, there is this signal that uh, this is not a human work. This is a divine intervention. This is God breaking into the normal course. This is God doing it his own way. You can even think about Christmas as a study in contrast between how God did it and how man would have done it. We would not have dreamed it up the way God did. And he signals that at the very beginning that he is starting something new. He's sending his Holy Spirit who will overshadow Mary, we're told. That's, that's, that's the detail we get in the Gospels, that he will come upon her, overshadow her, and that the child to be born will be holy, the Son of God. And so this virginal birth, virgin conception, signals at the very beginning that this life is set apart as distinct. The fully human... He is different in his origin without a human father. And then at the, the back end of his life, there is the, the miraculous resurrection from the dead to a life that will not be destroyed, an indestructible resu- uh, resurrection so that he ascends to God's right hand. So the life of Christ marked off at Easter and here as we celebrate in December with this, this virgin conception uh, through Mary. I love it. I think that um, you have really captured the heart of, uh, of of my question, and and it really comes back to what is your worldview uh, of all things, right? What is your worldview of uh, created order? It's interesting that you even reference the sense of believing in in science. Ultimately, science may tell us a whole lot about the what of creation, but not a lot about the why of creation. 
and we have to look to God for that. Mary said these words in Luke chapter 1, verse 46 and 47, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Uh, what does that look like on Christmas morning? What does it look like to magnify the Lord and rejoice in God our Savior? Thanks, Chris. I love the question. This is uh, this may be one of my single favorite verses in the Christmas story in Matthew and Luke and John and what the Apostle Paul has to say about the incarnation. Uh, I mean, it is on the whole. First of all, this this uh, this poem, this song that Mary sings after uh, being visited by the angel. It's called the Magnificat. It's just the Latin for the, for the first term, which is, you know, my soul magnifies the Lord. And I think a really perceptive question for us to ask as Christians is, how does magnifying God, honoring him, glorifying him, making him look good like he is, how does magnifying him relate to our rejoicing? And this is, this is an amazing dignity that God gives his creatures in this relationship, that our rejoicing in God serves to magnify God. Our God looks more like what he really is to ourselves and to the world when we rejoice in him. So that um, my longtime mentor and associate in, in ministry at Desiring God is his name John Piper, which some yes. listeners may have heard of John. And John's uh, famous for saying, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. In other words, in our joy, in our rejoicing, we show God to be what he really is, which is great. So we magnify him. We glorify him in our rejoicing. And all the more when we do so in our suffering. So uh, don't misunderstand and think that you have to be holly jolly and happy at Christmas so that God would be glorified, and so you need to stuff your pain. It, it's quite the opposite. Begin with honesty. If it's a hard Christmas, if it's unexpected, if there's pain in the Christmas, there's a loved one who hasn't been there. It's the dark December. It's the darkest month of the year in our calendar. It's winter. There's all sorts of reasons in our sinful world to not be just okay and happy and merry when you come to Christmas. And Christmas provides the opportunity here. Advent provides the opportunity to say, you know what, despite my circumstances, my suffering, my sorrow, my pain, there is a God in whom I can rejoice. And when we rejoice in him, when we delight in him in the midst of such pain and suffering, he is magnified all the more. He's magnified when someone like Mary in her situation with all the fears, all the unknowns that must have been crushing in on her when she says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. As she rejoiced in him, he looked good for having her trust and being wow. the one who would delight her soul, even in the midst of her suffering. Not only is Christ most magnified, God most magnified when we are most satisfied in him, uh, it is a, a clear and visible witness to a watching world. Maybe right. our uh, rejoicing and magnifying in God is uh, the greatest witnessing tool that we have in declaring his holiness, his greatness, his, uh, his sovereign majesty to a watching world. 
David, what a joy it's been to just talking with you about this. If you can stay with me for one more segment, I would love for us to be able to hear two things from you. Number one, I want to know what your favorite Christmas carol is, my friend. We've been playing some. I'd love to hear yours. And then I would also uh, love to maybe revisit uh, what the significant is, significance rather is of all the unexpected guests that we encounter around the birth of our Lord. My friends, you can find out more at our website, equipradio.org. Enjoy this rendition of Heart the Herald Angel Sings. As the year comes to a close here at Equip, we've seen so many lives change through our daily communication of the gospel. Help us to expand our reach by giving a year-end gift. Now, I know that some of you can afford to give gifts of $100 or $500 or even $1,000, and we thank you for your partnership. Really, any amount will help us in our mission to promote the gospel. Together, we can reach the world. Make a difference with a year-end gift today by calling 888-644-4144 or go to equipradio.org. Welcome back to Equip with Chris Brooks. Is your soul rejoicing in the Lord? Are you excited this Advent season about the opportunity we have to share the breadth of Scripture, to look to passages of God's Word, to excite us, to implore us to greater worship of Him? I would encourage you, if your soul is still not yet Uh, fully engaged in this beautiful season we call Advent to pick up a copy of the Christmas we didn't expect. It's daily devotionals for Advent season. Why don't you find out more at equipradio.org or we're going to give away five complimentary copies at our social media sites at Equip Radio on Facebook, Equipped Radio on Twitter as well. Thanks to all of our friends in Canada as well. We so appreciate you and obviously throughout the U.S. We're so grateful for your partnership, your support, your friendship in this season. If you'd like to partner with us, just dial the number 888-644-4144. Okay, David, maybe the toughest question of the day. What's your favorite Christmas carol? (laughs) Well, uh, Chris, um, let me give you one Christmas song and one Advent song. Is that okay? That's great. You you <laughs> get two for one. There's a distinction in my mind between the Advent songs that are more minor key and are, are cultivating in us that waiting for Christmas. And then, you know, the Christmas bright major chords. My favorite Christmas song, I think, is Hark. You just played it as we went out of oh, the last wow. segment. I was just getting filling up with excitement. There's actually a chapter, a chapter in the book where uh, I talk about my love for Hark. It was written by Charles Wesley, and then it was adjusted by the great evangelist George Whitfield. And so the the modern version that we sing has Wesley's hands on it and Whit- Whitfield's hands on it. And get this, I uh, stumbled across this a few years ago. There's a couple lost verses. <laughs> that got dropped from old hymnals 
as they were modernized. And so I share those those missing uh, those missing verses, which are are so theologically rich. I mean, I, I think I think the verses were too theologically rich for people in in the past, and they they dropped them. And I <laughs> I, I, I think uh, we should recover those and recover wow. those, the rich theology. Now, I, I now you now you've uh, you got another book now you have to write, and that is the missing <laughs> yes. verses, the missing lyrics of Christmas. That's right. Yeah, it, uh, the theologically rich lyrics that pragmatists yeah. drop from their hymnals there you in the twentieth century—that might be too long of a title. <laughs> I'm just going to say okay. it may not go over with the publisher. My favorite line is in second verse, and we sing, "Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see." Hail the incarnate deity. Just the, the yes, beauty of yes, God yes, himself yes. among us, yep. taking on our full humanity, the, the invisible God now being able to be seen, heard, touched in this person of Jesus Christ. So there's my favorite Christmas one is, is heart. Oh, my great. favorite Advent song, which is no minor chords, is What Child Is This? Mm. And I have to confess that I did not like the song as a kid. You know, as the adult sang, what child is this? And I was thinking, I, I'm a kid. I know the answer. Why are you asking the question? What's, what's I didn't understand rhetorical questions. And uh, the reason now that I love what child is this is because, again, second verse, nails, spear will pierce him through. The cross be born for me, for you. And I have mm. to admit, as a little kid, I thought, Oh, let's just let's leave Easter out of this, okay? Good Friday. No, let's not talk about this precious baby dying, okay? Let's let's leave that for later on. But but that is precisely what Advent is for. He came to give Himself for us. The glory of Christmas is in the fact that He came to give Himself for us. So nails, spear, Him being pierced, yes, that is appropriate to sing about at Christmas. That's why He came. And so over the years, <laughs> with a little more Bible in me, I've learned to love the lyrics of What Child Is This? Yeah, I love it. It's such a beautiful thing. Uh, our singing, our songs shouldn't just respect, uh, reflect, rather, uh, pop culture. Uh, they should be rich mm-hmm. in theology. And I, I'll be admit, and I think some would agree with this, that typically when you say devotional st- uh, readings, people think that theology is compromised. Let's end this interview mm-hmm. with a thank you. And I want to say thank you, David, for not compromising theological richness with the um, the practicality of a devotional, reaching and connecting our hearts to a celebration of our Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. David, thank you so much for joining us uh, to talk about your new resource, the Christmas we didn't expect. God bless you, my friend. Thank you, brother. It was a great joy to be with you. Folks, you can find out more at our website, equipradio.org. I would encourage you to do so. Thank you again for your partnership in the gospel. Because of you, we're reaching hearts and touching a generation. I want you to be blessed by this rendition of O Holy Night. But always remember, Equip with Chris Brooks is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.